0: Turn your Bibles, please, to 3 John to set kind of set the tone for where we're going. Don't be alarmed oh, this. You know, I'm not mistaking um, this service for children's church. We're studying 3 John, and, and you might not be uh, super well acquainted with 3 John, written by the Apostle John, the same one who wrote the Gospel of John, 1 John, Second John, 3 John, the book of Revelation. This is one of the New Testament postcards. We talk about New Testament letters. This one's just, just one chapter, um, but it's underappreciated for what it teaches. That The uh, plot line is fascinating, uh, but the philosophy, the theology it teaches about how ministry should happen is very instructive. So the point today is we're talking about missions and giving to missions and then avoiding schism that kind of derails missions. Now, here's the bar I say is not children's church. Any of you recognize these characters uh, from your childhood? Uh, The hero is Dudley Dudley Do-Right. This was kind of a a spinoff that we would watch during the Rocky and Bullwinkle show. Uh, He was a Canadian bounty and, um, you know, kind of sloppily managed to always save the day. Can't remember the name of the damsel in distress, but she's always in trouble. You got that. Okay. Now, what was her name? Now, N-E-L-L, N-E-L-L. okay. Now, now, without looking, what what are the names of the characters in the book of Third John? I'm just joking. <laughs> 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 that was not fair whatsoever. I apologize. <laughs> now, the villain, the villain in this is Snidely. Snidely Whiplash. And um, it was all overplayed, kind of a melodrama, kind of the, you know, the piano music. And there's a train that's going to hit her, and she's tied up. And do and you remember in, in those... Uh, it's kind of like the silent movies, and then in melodramas, like the villain would come out and he has, you know, a mustache that curls. You're supposed to boo, hiss. Well, say, Pastor, why are you telling us this on a Sunday morning? Well, Third John kind of goes through this kind of story. You you have you have these missionaries, they're going to be called the brothers, and they are being they're being attacked by the villain. The villain in this is a man named Diotrephes. And we'll learn a little bit about Diotrephes. He's one of the bad guys. Have you ever met a person named Diotrephes? No, it's just like meeting a Jezebel. We don't name our children Diotrephes. He's a bad guy. And then you have several heroes. And uh, you have Gaius and a man, Demetrius. So you, you kind of have a contrast. Diotrephes is a bad guy, Buhis. Demetrius is a good guy. Gaius and then the apostle John himself. And, and what he's doing is he's telling us a story, but he's also telling us about what the church should be doing. Now, I don't want you looking at that while I read the scripture. So let me let me go back to something a little bit safer. Uh, if you're going to take a picture today, take, take this one, not the previous. All right. Third John, let's read it together. See what God has to say. I always Tell preachers, um, shorten your sermon, don't shorten your scripture reading. It's the only part of the message you're sure that you're getting just right. Uh, let's see what the Word of God has to say, and then we'll discuss it together. Third John, the elder, that's John, to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you, that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. I love that. We're we pray for people like in the hospital to be healed, but we pray even more for their soul. So I'm praying for your physical condition, but also for your spiritual condition. Verse three, I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. That's the verse we know from 3 John. Yeah, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children, not just your biological children, but spiritual children are walking in the truth. Now, here's the plot line. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers. Okay, these, these are missionaries. They've come and visited the church, and he says, kudos, you've done a good job in assisting them. It's a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are. They might not have grown up in your church. They're visitors, but when you helped them, you did well. Verse 6, They testified to your love before the church. You will do well. You'll continue to do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. To send them. So so you're supporting them and you're doing it in a manner worthy of God. We'll talk about that. Here's the reason. For they have gone out for the sake of the name what's that mean they've gone out for the sake of the name they're motivated they're they're mo- motivated by whose name what name yeah they've gone out for the sake of Jesus name their their big motivation in going out is they've gone out for the glory of the name of Jesus so verse 7 they've gone out for the sake of the name accepting nothing from the gentiles and this isn't saying gentiles versus Jews it's it's using the term kind of in a broader sense They're not being supported by unbelievers. God's mission should be funded by God's people. So they're being funded by churches, not not by the unsaved. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. Now we come to diatrophies. Boo, hiss. I've written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first. That's the ESV. I like the King James there, who prefers to, he tries to have the preeminence. He seeks to have the preeminence. He does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing. And here's what he's doing. Talking wicked nonsense against us and not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to welcome the brothers and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil. Diatrophies. But imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. And here's the example of the good. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face-to-face. Peace be to you, the friends greet you, greet the friends, every one of them. Third John, not a book that we study often in the church, as often as we should. But it has vital lessons for us, especially regarding our involvement in the work of missions. This is one of the great mission texts of the New Testament. And we start with this, the idea of mission. We start with this idea the church must aggressively take the gospel to the lost for the sake of Jesus' name. Okay, every word there is important. It's the church's job to take the gospel to the lost and we do it for the sake of Jesus' name. You know, in our lifetime, uh, since we finished our training, Pastor, um, in our lifetime, the word gospel has uh, often been hyphenated. There are churches now that are gospel-centered churches. There are gospel-centered books, gospel-rooted resources. You know, everything is gospel. That, that's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. But I fear sometimes that all of the talk about the gospel happens within the four walls of the church, so we love to get together and study the gospel. We love to sing about the gospel. There's, there's a lot of new hymns and old hymns that sing about the gospel. I'm thankful for them. But if the only people we ever communicate the gospel to are fellow Christians, we are not a gospel-centered church. Okay, We, we, we hide out, we hunker down, and, and we have all of these great books and resources, and, and we talk to other Christians about the gospel, but this book and really the entirety of the New Testament says, no, we need to be taking the gospel to those who haven't heard it. Okay, we could consider uh, Paul's kind of climax in the book of Romans. The book of Romans is, is the, um, I was about to say Mount St. Helen, that wouldn't be good. It, it, it's the Mount Everest of biblical revelation you have in Romans the clearest description of the gospel that there is. And when you get to chapter 15, before he gives all the greetings in chapter 16, the climax of the book is Paul says, I am going past you to take the gospel where it has not been named. I don't want to build on someone else's foundation. I want to church plant. And when I church plant, I don't want transfer growth. I want to go to virgin soil. And I'm asking for your help to get there. He's always looking for new territory. He's always looking for expanse. That's what the gospel does. That's what Christianity does. You study the book of Acts. The gospel has to keep moving out. There, there's kind of an unchartered territory or bust. I'm going where the gospel hasn't been. And that's the heart of the book of Third John. To be gospel-centered means that the church is ambitious audacious, risk-taking, sacrificing in getting the gospel to the lost. We get the gospel to the people who need it most. Isn't that the point of Jesus coming, right? Jesus says, I didn't come to the righteous, but to call sinners to repentance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. He was criticized for being a friend of publicans and sinners. And the the elders and the Pharisees used that as a barb. To us, that's a song of praise. Jesus, what a friend for sinners. Hallelujah. The church must be on mission, and that is that we must take the gospel to the lost, and we do it for the sake of Jesus' name. Now, I confess to you that for me, that line where it says they have gone out, verse 7, for the sake of the name. That was something I really didn't appreciate early in ministry. I, I thought of mission motivation as maybe compassion. We go out to the lost out of compassion because they're lost, because they're dying, because they're going to hell. You know, when I was in school, the president would perpetually remind us the most sobering reality in the world today is that people are dying and going to hell today. That should move us. If we believe in, in the sinfulness of humanity, if we believe in the eternality of the lake of fire, we should be moved by compassion. But there's another motive, maybe even a higher motive, and that is that we go out for the sake of the name. We go out for the glory of Jesus. Okay, so there is, uh, it's a fancy word, but there's a doxological purpose. The word doxology. Doxology. Uh, You're saying the doxology, the word doxa means glory. We go out for the glory of God. For missionaries, the sticking point in missions is not love for the lost, but, but a love and a desire to see Jesus honored, a desire to obey him. You know, if, if you go to the mission field because you expect that the target audience is, you know, they're, they're just such great people. They're so eager for you to come. They're going to love on you. They're going to be, you know, they're going to be so kind to you. You're going to struggle. You know, I, you're commanded to love those people, but there's times you might not even like those people. And, and you know, the, the staying power isn't just in your temporary feelings for them. It's in the glory of God. I've been married uh, to my wife, Gloria. Sometimes people say, how long have you been married? And I say, we've been married for 20 happy years. Which isn't bad out of 26, actually. I'm joking. It's been 26 of uh, happiness for me and 20 of happiness for her. And uh, if you knew her, you'd understand. You know, it's, sometimes marriage is difficult. You're not together because it's always easy. Pastoring is difficult. You haven't been here 19 years because it's been smooth sailing. You're just called of God to do this. And there's times you say, Lord, I'm, I'm here. My heart is breaking and things are tough. But for your sake... I'm staying. That's John 21. Jesus says three times to John or to Peter, three times he says, "Do you love me?" Lord, you know I love you. Then what's the command? If you love me, you feed my sheep. You might not even like them, but if you love me, you do ministry. The goal for ministry is the glory of Jesus name. I don't have time to follow all of this, but you have passages, you have passages throughout the New Testament that talk about the glory of God as the motive for missions. In Acts 15, James is talking about Paul and Barnabas, and it says, They have risked their lives for the sake of the name. Okay, so so Paul would say, Well, if I'm if I'm in prison, it's okay because the gospel's flourishing. You know, don't pray for me to be delivered, pray for the gospel to advance. They go out for the sake of the name, all through Ephesians 1. Uh, Even what we read today in Ephesians 3, our purpose is the glory of God. Our purpose is to see him exalted. Uh, John Piper has famously said in a book on missions, missions exist because worship doesn't. And, you know, we we live in a soundbite society, but that's a great statement. What he means is the reason we do missions is is so that those people will become worshipers. So we, we do missions so that Jesus will be exalted. It's like John 4. We're reaching Samaritan women because God is seeking worshipers. John 4, 23 and 24. Where does God find worshipers? You know, do, does he look through the world and in and, and pagan nations, occasionally he comes across a worshiper? No, there's none. Jesus doesn't find worshipers. He makes them. He makes them out of sinners and we get to participate as we go out for the sake of the name. So the church must be actively involved in missions. Now, some of us will go. And I said this morning, I'm praying for some from this congregation to go. But let's look at another level of that. There's some who stay home. And then it talks about giving. And here's the second main point is this. The church must generously support missionaries in a manner worthy of God. So he says the brothers, these unnamed missionaries, they're going out. But those of you in the church that's meeting at the house of Gaius, our role, if we're not going, our role is to support them. So several times he says, verse 5, look at it. He says, good job. It's a faithful thing you're doing in your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are. They testified of of your help. They've gone out for the sake of the name. Now, they're not being supported by unbelievers. Now we get to verse 8. Therefore, we ought to support people like this, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. There's so much here. We, we are to support them generously. At the end of verse 6, uh, someone with the King James can help me. It says, you will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. What is the King James phrase at the end of verse 6? To send them on their way. Anyone? Anyone? after a godly sort. What does that mean? In our support of missions, in our support of ministry in general, but especially in our support of missions, he says, support them in a manner worthy of God. You support them in a way that shows your esteem for the one who sent them. Do you remember the Old Testament story where there's messengers that go and they're they're derided, they're treated badly, half their beards are cut off, And by disrespecting the messenger, the intent was to disrespect the king who sent them. Here he's saying, in order to give glory to God, we ought to take care of the people that he sent. So we support them in a manner worthy of him. Do do any of you recall in churches, colleges, in my dormitory when I was in college, there was a mission barrel. What was the mission barrel for? Well, you see... There might be clothes that are too faded for you to wear. Oh, but a missionary could use those. You know, there might be some threadbare sweaters that you wouldn't want to be caught dead in, but the missionary could use those. You know, or there will be a missionary closet in, in a church, which isn't a bad idea. Just make sure it's it's really great stuff. I remember there would be, there would be in a, a mission closet I saw, there'd be cards. Somebody would take the trouble to get cards that had been used for Mother's Day, birthday, stuff like that. They would cut out the flowers, paste them onto um, to con- um, construction paper, and, and kind of make a second hand card, and then the missionaries could take it and use it, and, and it's good enough for them. And you know, that that whole mindset, and you say that's ridiculous. Yeah, I, I hope this, I hope this isn't true. You know, maybe this is one of those um you know kind of urban legends but people would say you use your tea bag once and throw it away but you could recycle those and people on the mission field would appreciate it just stop stop here's here's the truth to support missions in a manner worthy of God if if you need if you need a reliable car here in carry the person that is driving through the desert or on, you know, through, through the bush and on terrible roads. They don't need a car as nice as yours. They need a car significantly better than yours. You understand that? To support them in a manner worthy of God says, we don't just give them leftovers, but we give with generosity. You know, my son-in-law as a Marine, I hope he's getting better equipment for what he does as a Marine than for what I do as a citizen. Okay, not castoffs. He needs better equipment. So we supply them, and the idea here is you got to give generously and you're bringing them on their way all through the New Testament. We see that in the Apostle Paul when he's saying, he's saying, um, I'm going out. I, I mentioned Romans 15. I'm going out. I've, I've been as far as Albania. I want to go to Spain. I, I want to get I want to go further, further. and I want you to help send me on my way. I love the missions him. O Zion Haste. Do you know that hymn? Beautiful. There's a verse that says, Give of your sons to bear the message glorious. Give of your wealth to speed them on their way. Pour out your souls for them in prayer victorious. And all thou spendest, Jesus will repay. So if you're not called to go, you ought to support them generously, lavishly. You treat them like heroes. The next time you have a missionary come back to give a report, this is not a clapping church, but in some way, communicate to them, you're heroes to us. Thank you for what you're doing. We're so grateful for you. We we want to give generously to you. We want to do it in a manner worthy of God. And quickly, verse 8 says, when we do that, we are fellow workers for the truth. What it's saying is, You support these brothers. You you support a missionary. You are considered by God to be a fellow worker for the truth. You're staying at home. There's a missionary in South Africa, and you are actually going to be credited for the work that is happening in South Africa because you've been part of the support team. It sounds like a multi-level scheme, but it's credit by association. When you support missions, you are rewarded as though you're part of their team. Now, it cuts both ways. Turn just a page back to 2 John. Remember, 2 John talks about false teaching. If a false teacher comes, don't bid him Godspeed. You don't aid and abet the enemy. You don't do anything to assist with doctrinal error. And it says in 2 John, I won't read the whole thing, but it says, In 2 John verse 10, if anyone comes to you and doesn't bring this teaching, doesn't bring sound doctrine, do not receive him into your house or bid him Godspeed. Don't even greet him. Verse 11, whoever greets him is a partaker of his evil deeds. If you cooperate with heresy, you are going to be liable for heresy. Guilt by association. It's true. That's why we believe in the doctrine of separation. We can't Aid and abet those who don't hold to sound doctrine. Second John says there's guilt by association. But third John says there's credit by association. On the other hand, when you help those who are doing legitimate gospel work, you're a fellow worker in the truth and you will be rewarded as such in the grace of God. We should be motivated. And again, we're doing it for the sake of Jesus' name, not for our credit, but in his mercy. He says, I'm going to treat you as part of the team even though your role was praying for them, communicating to them, d- do a better job. I'm working on a short book called What Missionaries Wish Christians Knew About Missions. And there's missionaries, they, sometimes they take three or four years to resupport. Our system is broken, needs to be better. So, so they, they travel raising support for three or four years. They get on the mission field and we kind of forget you know, let, let me just give you one, one, you know, assignment. When they send a missionary letter, read and respond. They send it, and it used to be, man, we never hear. I wonder if anybody's reading it. Now they send it with MailChimp. It has analytics. They know who opens their letter, and it's like 2%, and they feel alone. So they send a missionary letter. You open it, take 30 seconds to read it, pray quietly, and then just respond and say, hey, I just prayed for that need you mentioned. Please keep me posted. You you cannot imagine how much that will encourage them. We talk about needing more labors. We want to avoid the labors we have burning out and having an avoidable attrition. Just just treat them in a manner worthy of God. Treat them like the heroes they are. Then we get to this last point, diatrophies. We have schism. We have missions and giving, then we have schism. And the point of schism is this. The church must avoid petty divisions which hinder great commission work. Here's this guy, Diotrephes. He says, we're not giving those people any money. They're not from our church. They're not from my tribe. I've never heard of them. Who ordained them? Where did they go to college? I don't know those guys. I'm not supporting them. And other church members say, well, even if you don't, I will. If you do, I'll kick you out of the church. See, here's here's the thing. Separation is a Bible teaching to protect the gospel. But there are times where there is an illegitimate separation. It's not over doctrinal truth. It's over turf. And when we start separating over turf rather than truth, just for our brand, then we're guilty of schism. And we're like diatrophies. And his goal was not to protect the gospel. He wanted to be preeminent. You know, so, so for those of you who understand the teaching that, that goes around with separation, this is first and second degree schism. He's actually like, not only will I not support them, but if you support them, then I'm breaking from you. And I suppose we could go further. And if you support her as she supports him, then I'll break from you and you and you. And he's not commended. He's the villain. I'll tell you, there have been times in my life I thought I was being Jude, earnestly contending for the faith. And at times I was being Diotrephes, earnestly contending for turf. And I wasn't a hero. I was a villain. The church has to avoid schism over unbiblical, extra-biblical matters that just cloud the gospel. I'm, I'm I'm not getting rid of the doctrine of separation. I'm saying... That gun is loaded. Just be careful where you point it. Okay, use it Use it carefully. Somebody once said to me, well, you can't be too separated. Actually, you, you can be if you're separating from the brothers, if you're separating from people that are allies. I, I compare this to Great Britain. Imagine, imagine if in American history, America sent troops to Europe in the 1940s to invade the British. So sick of them, their accent, <laughs> their tea, their dentistry, their you know <laughs> soccer, their... That, that would be insane. Because although they're not identical to us, that we even have a history with them, they are allies, and there are real enemies. Let's go fight the Nazis alongside the British. And there are times when the church is so busy picking at each other and we're attacking our allies instead of saying, hey, we have a gospel cause to be busy about. And you have to pray for wisdom. But I'll tell you my heart as we, as we close today, my burden for the American church right now, the last couple of years have been rough. Rough. I feel like Many professing Christians are known primarily for being angry about what? Masks or no masks. Vaccines or no vaccines. Trump or never Trump. You know, the the racial conflicts in our country. And I'm talking my group of friends, even like on social media, are so much more passionate about about COVID issues than they are about gospel issues. Is is that not true? I'm I'm not trying to berate you. I'm just saying, is that not true? For, For many, the Christian witness right now is so tied to temporary cultural issues. And there's a point at which, listen, get back on task. Let's not be the diatrophies that's dividing over unimportant things. Just show deference. You disagree and you, you just say, you know, you be persuaded and I'll be persuaded. And we have bigger fish to fry. Let's be about gospel work. Philippians 127, let's work side by side for the sake of the gospel. Jesus is dealing with the disciples in Mark chapter 9. And they say, hey, there's somebody that's doing gospel work and they're not with us. Should we stop them? And Jesus says, no, no. Whoever is not against us is with us. That actually goes the reverse of how we usually think of that phrase. Thank God for gospel alliances. Thank God, actually, for the history of fundamentalism. Early fundamentalism would say, we don't agree on every particular. We agree on this core. This, we will do battle royal for. And the other stuff is, is details to work out in your own church. But let's, let's work together for the advance of the gospel, for the glory of Jesus' name. Third John calls us to missions, and my prayer is maybe someone here will be like the brothers who get sent out, like Paul and Barnabas in Acts 13. You're, you're doing a good work here, but you're more needed somewhere else. Maybe our captain is going to transfer you to a more needy station. And if the Lord sends you to go, you talk to your pastor, you pray, you raise support, and, and go. For most of you, you probably aren't going to be called to leave. But you can give generously and support your missionaries in a manner worthy of God. Part of that, honestly, I keep saying missionaries, but these Christian workers, treat your pastor in a manner that is godly. You know, have have an affection for him. To, to stay in a pastorate for 19 years, it's tough. And uh, appreciate those who are laboring among you the way Hebrews says. And esteem them for their work's sake. So you support them in a manner worthy of God. Give just as generously as you can. I'm going to try to show a video tonight. I'm probably going to need some help getting that to work. But I was just in Ukraine seeing all the need and just urging people. We all have discretionary money that we spend on stupid stuff. And here we have not only urgent temporary needs, but we have eternal needs. Give with more generosity and then stop. Stop stop supporting and engaging in the division that is so bad for the church, so bad for the cause of the gospel. I'm not talking about ecumenism. I'm not talking about compromise. You, you'd be willing to die on the hill of biblical authority, the exclusivity of the Christian gospel, the truth of your doctrinal statement. You die on that hill. But then just, just don't make, don't make mountains out of other molehills. And, and divide the body of Christ in a schismatic, unnecessary way, especially within the local church. All right? and, and we pray for the glory of God that he will do a great work through the church, through the brothers and sisters who are going out of the church, and we're doing it all for the sake of Jesus' name, that he will be glorified. That's 3 John. Just too quickly, there's a lot more meat on that bone. You can study it on your own. Thank you, Lord, for your word. It's beautiful. It's powerful.